Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Well, Dave, I'm going to assume that you know what we're going to talk about. You're going to assume? You, you know what happens when you assume, don't you? Why don't you tell me, Dave? You make a patriot out of you and me. That's not how I ever heard that. Um, and I'm sure that's a dig at me being a Patriots fan. It is. It's also a Mike Tomlin quote, the uh, coach of the Steelers. So probably no more funny now than it was then, but I thought I'd borrow it. Oh, I think it's I think it's a brilliant one. I'm sure it was after the Pats beat the Steelers yet again. So that that makes me actually feel really good about it. Well, being an Eagles fan, it doesn't hurt me one way or the other. <laughs> Fair enough. Although you have to love the fact that, you know, Tampa Bay is doing really well right now with old man Brady and the Pats are not. Any rate, assumptions. Why, why did you uh, assume that I knew what we were going to talk about? Well, I think people make assumptions all the time. And I thought we might want to kind of chat about it for our listeners today. What's wrong with making assumptions? I mean, besides the obvious answer of of making donkeys out of us all. Right. Well, we talked about okay, not okay in a previous podcast. And if I make an assumption fairly quickly, I'm going to probably make you feel not okay. And as we learned about, the only way that people can feel better about themselves when they're not okay is to make someone else feel worse. I can't disagree with that. I think there's another, to me, even more dangerous. Please. uh, When you make assumptions, especially assumptions that are untested, we all make assumptions. I don't think the I don't think the problem is making the assumption per se, but it's Mm -hmm. not testing your assumption in a in a non-threatening manner to speak to your comment. Then we can we build our solution on false information. You basically build a house of cards. Oh, absolutely. So, but don't people know when they're making assumptions? I don't think so. So, I mean, I can give an example of my life. As you know, I was pretty athletic uh, growing up and. Time out. Mm -hmm. I actually don't know you're athletic. You assumed I know that. I would assume you're athletic based on all the stories you tell me, but you could have been the worst basketball player and baseball player ever. Point well taken. See what happens when we make assumptions, how quickly I say, as you know. And now we have a bit of a conflict that we probably have to go back to a previous podcast and figure out the best way to handle this potential challenge. Is that fair? Well, I'm not sure we have a conflict at all. We just put my, you know, we we just avoid this one, and and I will, I will stipulate that at least in your mind, you were <laughs> a great athlete. Yes, and and I live in my mind a lot of times. Well, let's pretend this were to be true. I would go to some courts in Boston, not look like I could play the game very well. 
men are typically very competitive. It wouldn't take long before someone would say, would you want to play? In which case my response is, I'm not very good. And they would say, how about 20? And I would say, how about 50? And that was a very lucrative way for me to play, especially when people made assumptions about my lack of ability. So you would hustle people? Yes. There was the movie White Man Can't Jump. I was One-Armed Man Can't Shoot. Okay. Well, obviously that wasn't very good for Boston basketball denizens, but um, what's this have to do with persuasion and 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 business and leadership and sales? Well, let's look at it from a sales perspective. A lot of times people make assumptions of who might use my product or service, who might not, and I may miss out on opportunities. For example, if I go to a networking event and I'm talking with someone and I hear that that person is not a business owner or does not have a sales team or is not in sales, I make an assumption that that person is probably not a good person for me to talk with. One thing I might want to figure out is it's not the person that I'm speaking with, it's all the other contacts that that person may have, which as I'm talking, that person might say, I don't have this challenge, but I have three colleagues that might. Maybe we can have a conversation about that. So I think we shortchange ourselves when we're making these gross assumptions, at least especially in a sales arena, just from that one example of a networking event. Wow, that's actually interesting because that even never even occurred to me that that would be an issue of assumption. I was thinking more in a sales role where we start assuming somebody else's values, which is, I think, a very common mistake. I remember when I was at the moving company and I was listening to one of my um, move coordinators, which is what we called inside salespeople. They were move coordinators. They weren't trying to sell you anything. They were just simply trying to coordinate your move. And we also had storage. Now, our storage wasn't self-storage. You didn't get a garage with a roll-up door that you put your possessions in. You got a five-by-seven-by-seven, think um, Raiders of the Lost Ark crate Mm -hmm. that we would put your possessions in. And then if you needed to access them, it was a big deal to get to them because they were stacked on top of each other. We'd have to get the forklift, open them up. You couldn't just come and get it willy-nilly. Right. But you could get it. And the assumption by this move coordinator was that there wasn't a lot of value in what we did. And when people didn't have, when she didn't think people had money, mm. she would direct them to a self-storage unit. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. Why are you selling somebody else's service? She thought she was uh, uh, Chris Kringle from uh, Miracle on, 40, on uh, 34th Street. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Right. So she made assumptions about what what was important to people. Oh, absolutely. And I think that happens a lot in sales. For example, sales 101, you go into someone's office and you might want to look at something on the wall we're told to do and make a comment about that. So I've learned how to reframe that conversation. So I walk into this guy's office and Dave, he has Super Bowl pins from every Super Bowl. So he collects these Super Bowl pins. So what assumption might I make about this new potential client? Well, clearly, and you say assumption, but it is obvious that this guy is a huge football fan. Right. 
And guess where I'm going in a matter of like two weeks? I'm, I'm guessing you're going to the Super Bowl? I am. So logic suggests I walk in and I say, hey, Super Bowl fan, who do you like? Do you like the Pats or do you like the Eagles, the first one? And he would say, I'm a Pats fan. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to be there. Maybe we could have a beer. Maybe we could have lunch or something because obviously you're a huge fan. And we have something in common. Look, we, love, we love football. Exactly. So what so, happened? Right. So I learned over the years and I walk in and I say, hey, you're not a football fan, are you? And he goes, no. Anyone that lives in San Diego where there's so much more to do than on a Sunday for four to seven or perhaps 10 hours and watch football is an idiot. So what if I led with, hey, I'm a big football fan, aren't you? What is he thinking of me? Immediately, you're starting as an idiot. Absolutely. And it's really hard hard to rebound from the idiot status within 30 seconds of a conversation. Yeah. Talk about bad first impressions. Exactly. So what's my next logical question? Well, you went in there, you see these pins, you assumed he was a football fan, but you tested your assumption first with this That's right. question. That's right. We'll talk about the, 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 the framing of that question, which is brilliant. And we'll, we'll, we'll parse that down in a minute. And then you find out he's not a football fan. I'd have to go to, oh, what's with all the pins? I'm kind of curious. Why do you have the pins? Because you have to go to the game, as a side note, to get the pins. Like, you have to be there. Which means you would think, he. how many pins did he have? How many super? All of them. All of them. So is that 50? What are, we at? what are we at? At the time, it was probably in the 40s. Yeah. So 40 Super Bowl games. That's a big investment yes. for a sport you don't like. That's right. His answer? My friend owns the pin company, and I think they look cool. Do you wow. think I brought up my fanaticism, because that's what a fan is, fanaticism of football, going to the Super Bowl, perhaps hanging out in Jacksonville, Florida? I'm guessing you didn't. I did not. I said, wow, that's pretty exciting that you have a friend that, that gave you those. That's wonderful. And then we moved on. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, we have that uh, earlier podcast we talked about um, getting personal with name calling. Mm -hmm. Right. Perfect opportunity to say, so what do you typically do on a Sunday morning or yeah. Sunday afternoon? How do you, you know, what, how do you spend your time if it's not being one of those idiots in front of the football screen like me? Uh, Right. Minus the last two words. Yes. And he said, I like to hike. And I said, oh, I don't suppose you can help me out. Previous podcast, you know, asking for help and also getting personal. I don't suppose you can help me out. He said, what's that? And I said, well, trying to start hiking with the family. Got a couple of kids. They're not as into hiking. Can you, I don't suppose you can recommend a place that's not too threatening, but also would be something that might be enjoyable. Wow. Great use of asking for help. So um, again, as Darren just said, we covered that in another podcast, but what I want but what I want to do is um, parse out the way Darren has handled these questions. Cause 
there's really some gold in there. Them there are hills, as they say. Exactly. So take us back. You see the pins. Yep. And restate the question as you asked it again. You're not a football fan, are you? Or, the other way, I don't suppose you're a football fan, are you? Now, what's interesting is there's an assumption inherent in both of those that he's not a football fan. That's right. But the assumption you had made when you got walked in the office was that he was. That's right. Why would you just say, are you a football fan? Well, if he gave me the whole idiot thing, how do you recover from that? What do you mean? If I say, are you a football fan? He says, no, anybody that does this, does that, does this. That's a different conversation. It's easy for me to rebound from, I don't suppose you're a football fan, are you? You're probably not a football fan, are you? Now, if he says yes, I would say, oh, me too. And now you guys are simpatico. Exactly. But since we're not simpatico, because I love football, and he obviously, I'm an idiot if I watch football, I don't even have to address it. Like, oh, I didn't think so. And then we move on. And when you say, I didn't think so, once again, you're not in conflict. You're right. in agreement. That's right. So That's right. he does. he's unaware of this, your whole football thing. And you go, oh, I, I didn't think so. You're disavowing the assumption. That's right. And never having to confront it. That's right. And then, then it leads nicely, dovetails nicely to, I'm kind of curious, why do you have the pins? Now, when you went back, and, and, and folks, I want to I really hone in on this, because this questioning technique is so powerful. It's so incredibly powerful, the assumption of the opposite. Mm -hmm. Because especially early on in a relationship where we don't have trust yet, people tend to push back. You say black, they say white. Up, down. Mm -hmm. Stop, go. Doesn't matter what it is. If you assume the negative, I don't suppose you're a football fan. So that's that's a bad example only in that either he is or he isn't. That's right. Right. But um, this isn't important to you, is it? Right. Right. Now, if they're going to push back, they may turn around and go, yes, it is. That's right. Oh, now we've clarified something. If I say, this is important, you need to pay attention. They're going to say, no, it isn't. That's right. Then where are you? Right. Darren used that same technique when asking for help, though. Mm -hmm. right? uh, memory serves me. I don't suppose you can help me. That's right. How do I get my family hiking? Or where should I take my family for mm -hmm. hiking? Right? Uh, assuming you're looking for easy hikes, at the, at the beginner hikes. Mm -hmm. Why would you do use it there? It allows, the reason why I call it gracious questioning, it allows that person to politely either say yes or politely say no. He may come back with, you know, I don't have any kids. I, I don't really know where to hike. I'm always, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm level whatever it is. I don't really know. And then once again, it allows that person to graciously say, no, I really can't help you. Versus, can you help me? And they say, no, I can't. I don't have children. Then it becomes awkward because then what do you say next? And we go back to that whole, okay, not okay. They don't feel good about themselves because they can't help you. That's right. Yep. But exactly. all of this stems from, and the caution here is it's not that we shouldn't make assumptions because we're going to. We're human. That's what we do. 
Even if you think I don't, you do. But testing those assumptions sure. in a safe way. Yep. And that so, questioning technique allows that to take place where people can save face either way. Yeah. Now, of course, many of our listeners out there right now aren't looking listening just for sales techniques. That's right. They're, 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 they're in leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And although we're always selling ideas as leaders, so it is sales. There's other areas where assumptions can hurt you as well. I, I remember once, and I, I, I tell this story. Uh, it's in my book. It's in the, I, when I when I'm doing uh, talks in front of associations and organizations and companies. This is one of the stories I tell. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. But I I had a, a team member come in with what I thought was a bad attitude. Right. So that's the assumption. Mm-hmm. And I remember flashing back to an old chief when I was a junior officer in the Navy telling me, you, you can't manage. And we called it managing people. You really it's leading. We manage we manage processes. We lead people. You can't manage attitudes. You can only manage behaviors. And mm-hmm. when we look at attitudes, we're really making assumptions. So this particular gentleman was looking down and depressed and everything, and I thought he had a bad attitude, and it turned out he had a personal issue at home. And by testing my assumption, by addressing his behaviors, not his, not my assumption, I didn't say, you've got a bad attitude. I said, you're looking down, you're not smiling, you're not joking. You know, These are the observable things that were demonstrable. What is going on? And so it's another form of testing the assumption. I was able to get to what the real issue was. And... As leaders, our job is to remove the barriers that prevent people from succeeding. And you can't do that if you don't know what they are. And if you make an assumption, you could be wrong. That's it's a brilliant story. I was thinking, I thought you would, I was hoping you would tell that story. I don't want to assume that you would, but I was certainly hoping that you would, because I think it's spot on as far as what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think one of the, and it took me years to learn this. So if, if you're struggling with this, you're not alone out there. This It's human nature. We're all, we, so empathy is a good and a bad thing, right? We want to be empathetic. We want to understand where people are coming from, but we need to understand that we're viewing that through our own lenses and filters. And that may not be the case. I had a discussion with somebody once and said, well, you can tell what somebody's thinking by their actions. You absolutely cannot. We're not mind readers. So, um, ask and use Darren's uh, gracious questioning technique. Uh-huh. Yep. And if you have questions about how to do that better, you know, contact Darren. Let him you know. I'm sure he'll be happy to, to to guide you. If you want more details on this, maybe we have a whole podcast on gracious te- uh, questioning. I don't think we've done it yet, but certainly we can potentially do that. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to hear, by the way, in a podcast, folks, just let us know. Absolutely. We don't want to assume what you want. Well, well done. Although it is nice to be a patriot. I mean, and that is pretty nice. Yes. Coming from an Eagles fan. And, 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 you know, the Patriots are to the rest of the country today what the Dallas Cowboys were to the rest of the country (laughs) back in the 80s. In the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes the Patriots. And uh, except for people from Boston. I'm actually wearing a Patriots shirt, so I'm glad it's a podcast. Yeah, because if people saw that, you know, especially the 55% of visuals out there. (laughs) Fair 
So let's not turn this into a sports show. Uh, as I well, drink from my I Eagles. Love the, uh, I love the Eagles mug that you're using. I can go get my Super Bowl one. We can do that later. No, absolutely. I think it's I think it's essential that one thing you talked about, I just want to build upon it, is test that assumption. That's really important is to test it and not to just go ahead and say, well, this is the way this person is going to act because of this or all the time. This is how people will do that. One big thing to consider in sales is I try to tell our clients that if you make an assumption, you're not allowing your prospect to play their own movie. Because everybody has a movie. Everybody has a story. If we go, oh, I've seen that a thousand times. This is the first time this person is going through it. So we need to let that play out. And we're going to ask questions. Now, we can ask questions and test that hypothesis, if you will, and especially do it in a gracious way. But we don't want to shortchange it because as we know in sales and in leadership and in persuasion, the first challenge that comes up is not really the real problem. It's a symptom of something that's greater. And in sales, what happens are people end up making assumptions and solving the symptom and not the real problem. And so what, and, and, uh, let me say that again. Inevitably will happen is the prospect, the client, the, the employee is disenfranchised because they're not getting the whole challenge solved. They're getting the symptom solved. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that, that that makes perfect sense. You know, it's funny. And sometimes not only is the challenge they present with you not the challenge, but even the underlying problem they bring you in for may not be the there may be opportunities there that they don't even aren't even aware of. That's right. Right. Like, like there's a perception, I think, that I present you with this challenge and this problem. Because I don't want to tell you this other one that's my real problem. But the fact is, there actually could be a third one that they don't even know is a problem yet. That's right. And if you go in there with preconceived notions, I'll give you a perfect example. Many years ago when I was in telecom, I went into this company who wanted to replace their voicemail system. This is a big national company. Their headquarters was here in San Diego. Big national sales company. And we're, we're talking about a roughly $10,000 sale. Now, my Monthly quota was about $40,000 at a time. So this is 25% in one deal. That's not a bad deal. Mm -hmm. I didn't make any assumptions. I went in there, I talked, and I just, all, my whole goal in the first meeting was to learn about their business and their company. And what I discovered is that they had these weekly conference calls with salespeople all over the country, and they were paying a buttload of money for a conference service to do this every month. And when I found out how many people were on the call, I realized we could sell them the equipment and amortize that for a lot less. Mm -hmm. This $10,000 voicemail system turned into a $150,000 brand new phone system that saved them thousands of dollars a year because I didn't make any assumptions. Remember, $40,000 a month quota, mm -hmm. single deal, $150,000. So when you make assumptions, you miss those opportunities. And the challenge is in business is sometimes they'll make an assumption about you. 
How do you handle that? Give me an idea what that looks like. Sure. In sales, hey, we tried that, didn't work. Been there, done that. That will never happen here. I've been doing this for 15 years. We've tried everything under the sun. It's not going to work. In my experience, and it's not as vast as yours, those comments only come if you present your solution prematurely. Mm-hmm. Right. So that that happens, and it's happened to us all. If I said to them, um, "What I don't know, what are you doing for a conference? You know, tell tell me about your, you know, what you use. Oh, you know, we do these weekly conference calls. Oh, how much are you spending? Oh, we're spending. I don't remember the exact numbers. We're we're spending twenty five hundred dollars a month for this service. Oh, well, I could put you in a conference service. You know, your own equipment that's only going to cost you fifteen hundred. Right. I jump right to there. Right. And I've assumed in that inherently there's an assumption that I know all their problems, all their challenges, everything. That's right. If instead of doing that, I might, I might question them some more to find out what they've tried. Well, are, are you comfortable with the $2,500 a month? Well, no. no, we'd like to get rid of it, but we don't know how. Well, what have you tried? Right. And you walk down that path. That's right. Right. And in business, what I tell my clients, the very first thing you might want to ask is, have you ever hired somebody like me before? Have you ever worked with someone like me before? Because once again, everybody has a movie and you want to find out what their movie is. And if you ask me if I ever hired a realtor before, I will tell you horrible examples of realtors in the past. Now, in the past, I didn't really know a lot of realtors. Now I know quite a few. And so it's changed the entire conversation. But if you're going to be a realtor and you don't ask me about my past, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities to uncover my pain. Absolutely. And, you know, the same is in leadership. When somebody comes to you with a challenge, whether it's, you know, there's a problem in a production line or I have a problem getting to work or it doesn't matter what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. The natural reaction of inexperienced leaders is to solve the problem. That's right. The reality is we need to question first. What have you tried? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, and, and, and I'm cautious with the word why, but, you know, what's the reason? It's the same thing. Why isn't this working? Yep. You know, you know um, what do you want it to, what, what should it look like at the end? Right. right. So you get to a solution based, um, right? Where, 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 what's it look like, yep. and, and what's keeping you from getting there? Right? You want to ask all these questions, even if you think you know you're the expert. I, I was actually talking to a, a buddy of mine um, who is a plant manager for a company here in town. They, he got a new chief operating officer who is well known in the industry, and I don't want to go too much in details because I don't want to reveal who they are, but apparently very well known in this particular industry and immediately started implementing some changes that although positive changes, they they yielded good results. They didn't get buy-in from the people working on the floor. Right. And so there's, there's a limit to how much more efficient they're going to get because of that. Whereas if they had asked questions, what they've tried in the past, what they think about this as a solution and got buy-in, then they can have continuous improvement well beyond even what this 
expert believes because he's assuming he knows what's going on. Of course. Absolutely. Well, and we talked about this in another podcast, ABQ, right? Always be questioning. If you're questioning, spending most of your time when you're speaking, we talked about this too, 70-30, listen 70, talk 30. And when you're talking, you're asking questions, you're trying to eliminate those assumptions or test that hypothesis, if you will. So if you're always be questioning, that's going to reduce the challenge that people would have about, I'm going to rush right into solution, which might not even, actually could be detrimental, not even helpful at all. It's funny. You just said something which uh, would have helped me tremendously um, 40 years ago. My first foray into sales at age 21, it was industrial cleaning chemicals, a company called Malther Chemicals. And, you know, it, it was, I mean, it was old school satchel big you know with all the uh, um, um, demo products in there and i would you know call on anybody use any kind of chemical from uh, automobile uh, maintenance shops whatever whether it's you know degreasers or floor cleaner or wax didn't really matter you know new show it's a floor wax it's a dessert topping it's all the same so um and they were trying to teach me how to do open-ended questioning and i couldn't grasp the concept and what i didn't understand was that the questions I should be asking should be questions that test the assumptions. Mm-hmm. So if you're new to sales and you're listening to this, or you're new to leadership, mm-hmm. this is the whole thing about assumptions. Learn to identify when you're making an assumption because you think something is so doesn't mean it's so. That's right. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means you need to test it with a good question. I agree. And if I may... What you shared was if you're new in sales or new in leadership, I'm going to suggest it doesn't matter how long you've been in sales, how long you've been in leadership is test that as well. Because I don't think a lot of people think to test that because I think the longer people have been in it, they go, oh, I've seen this 9,000 times. This is just another example of that. Right. And in fact, so you just caught me in an assumption. I didn't say that. No, I did. <laughs> right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to cop to that because I made the assumption that more experienced salespeople know that trap. But in fact, that may not be the case. I'm sure there are very good salespeople out there who are aware of the trap. Absolutely. But there are also some very experienced salespeople who are not. That's right. And, and, and to me, there's a difference between 20 years of experience and one year of experience repeated 20 times. Brilliant. Absolutely. So, Anything else you want to add? I don't want to assume we've covered the topic. <laughs> no, I think we were uh, pretty thorough on it. I just think it's uh, it's incredibly beneficial what you talked about was testing. And by asking the questions, that's how we test it. And then people will not be able to say, make a, a donkey out of you and me because you've actually tested the uh, hypothesis and see if it holds true or doesn't. Many times it doesn't hold true. And a lot of times we've heard things over the years that may have held true back then, doesn't anymore. And I love testing. Yeah, I, I think that's the last piece. We'll, we'll leave you with that. It's just because something was so, even a year ago, two years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? The, the, this, the, the rate of change, of change, the acceleration of change is just astronomical. Yes. And, and we'll just get faster and faster. That's, that's the nature of technology these days. So never assume anything. People used to make assumptions that we couldn't have a remote workforce. 
And 2020 taught us otherwise. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, another great show, Darren. So subscribe if you like this. Uh, look at our other, check out our other podcast and refer these to other people that you think might be uh, able to benefit from it too. That would be great. Actually, don't assume. Just refer it to other people. Let them decide. Brilliant way to close, my friend. Until next time. Take care. Thanks, Dave. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.